So Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. On page 845 in the Black Pew Bibles, if you're following along there. In 1953, the family favorite, Peter Pan, came to the box office, and in this story, as you know, Peter Pan doesn't want to grow up. Similarly, you may remember the Toys R Us jingle. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much less. It'll really flip your lid. (laughs) From bikes to trains to video games, it's the biggest toy store there is, gee whiz. I don't want to grow up, because baby, if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. More games, more toys, oh boy. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. The title of today's sermon is Becoming Like Little Children. What does Jesus mean when he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it? Let's dive into the text and find out. So Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. This is the word of the Lord. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Our Two points for today's sermon are these. Point one, what is God like? And then point two, what are children like? So what is God like and what are children like? Point one, what is God like? Look with me at verses 13 and 14 again. And they were bringing children to him, meaning Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So let's set the stage here. They, we don't know who they are, but most likely parents, are bringing children to Jesus. And the disciples do what? Welcome them? Help them connect with Jesus? No, unfortunately not. The text tells us that they rebuke them. They probably think, well, Jesus is just too busy for this. He doesn't need to be hassled by little kids. He's important. He's got real work to do. He doesn't have time for you. See, we'll come back to this later, but children in those days were seen as completely insignificant, unimportant, even unvaluable. Unlike 
politicians of today who love to be seen kissing babies wasn't like that back then. The disciples think that Jesus doesn't have time. Maybe it's that they don't want to be associated with a rabbi who would have time for kids. Maybe they think that's demeaning. And the rabbi that, that we follow is important. So the disciples essentially tell these parents and children to beat it. Hit the road. Get out of here. How does Jesus respond? It says, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. This word here means to be very angry. It's actually two Greek words, meaning much and to grieve. Jesus is upset. And in that, this tells us a lot about who Jesus is. What you get angry about tells you a lot, tells us a lot about who you are. It reveals your heart. So why is Jesus angry? Because he loves children. He loves those that the rest of the world sees as an insignificant and unimportant. He loves that these children were being brought to him. A common question that, that kids have is, who is God? Or what is God like? Here is what God is like. He's a God who has time for little children. He's a God who doesn't just tolerate interruptions from unimportant people, but cherishes them. That's why he's indignant. The disciples' actions here lie about who God is. Do you see that? That's typically what the Pharisees did. Misrepresent God. Distort his character. So who is God? Who is God? If we based our answer off of the disciples, we'd say that God is someone who doesn't have time for us. He's busy. He only makes time for those who bring something to the table. That's not who God is, is it? That's a lie. He's a God who loves people who bring nothing to the table. He's a God who isn't too busy for us. He's a God who has time for little children. Understand this. No one is too little for Jesus. Now, I don't know what's gone on in your life. I don't know what sins you've committed. I don't know if you've left great things completely undone. What I do know is that no one is too little for Jesus. This is the truth of the incarnation, of Jesus becoming flesh or becoming human. Now, I want to remind us of Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Colossians 1, 16 through 18. It says, For by him, meaning by Jesus, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. 
and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That same Jesus, the creator, the head, the king, the preeminent one, that Jesus condescended to us by becoming human, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. No one is too little for Jesus. So what is God like? That's what he's like. Now, out of these two verses, I want to ask one question and then make a couple of applications. First, a question. Are you hindering someone from coming to Jesus? Are you hindering someone from coming to Jesus? It's easy to read this text and think, how could the disciples be so wrongheaded? Maybe you're not physically stopping little kids who are desiring to be blessed by Jesus. Maybe you're not down at the kids' ministry door telling kids they can't go in. I hope not. But is there anywhere in your life that you're hindering someone from coming to Jesus? Does your life or how you speak of him lie about who he is? If so, repent. But know that no one is too little for Jesus. Even you, as you come to his gracious and merciful arms, you're not too little for Jesus. Let your life not only commend Jesus, but welcome others to come to him and be blessed by him. Now, a couple of applications. First, do you know that little kids can be saved through faith in Christ? Look at what Jesus says at the end of verse 14. This is glorious. He says, let the, the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Is he saying that all kids, no matter what, are saved? No. Children are not naturally part of the kingdom of God. The exact opposite is true of all of us. Ephesians 2, verse 3, tells us that we're all, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But children can be saved through faith in Christ. They're fully capable of that. They have the spiritual capacity to be saved. They can authentically and genuinely come to Christ. This is why when your children come here, we want them to hear the gospel sung and prayed and preached and taught. They may not be capable yet of reading a systematic theology book. But guess what? That's not how you're saved. That's not what saves you. We're saved by knowing that we're sinners and that we need a savior. And that that Savior is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Children are fully capable of grasping that gospel truth. 
We should be sharing the gospel with children. Dr. Kent Hughes, he says this. He says, Jim Slack, head of demographics for the Southern Baptist Foreign Missionary Society, recently shared the results of a Gallup survey, and here it is. 19 out of 20 people who became Christians did so before the age of 25. At age 25, 1 in 10,000 will become believers. At 35, 1 in 50,000. And at 45, 1 in 200,000. At 55, 1 in 300,000. At 75, 1 in 700,000. That isn't to say that if you're over 25, there's no hope for you. God can save anyone at any time in any way he desires. What I am saying is this. Children are fertile soil for the gospel. Their minds and their hearts are open and capable of understanding spiritual truths. We have an opportunity here to uh, succeed where the disciples failed. So don't hinder little ones from coming to Jesus. Further, I want to, just for a little bit, speak directly to parents now. Parents, do you see what's happening in today's text? Parents, bring your children to Jesus. You have a great responsibility in this. These parents in our text are bringing the children. This means that they obviously believed in Jesus themselves. They believed that Jesus had something to offer their children. Or they would have just stayed home, not wasted their time. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Ephesians 6 couldn't be more clear for our responsibility as parents. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And then here we go, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So how do you bring your kids to Jesus? By teaching them diligently. Our men's discipleship cohort that meets tonight, we read this book this month called Family Discipleship, uh, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones. Fantastic book. Uh, if you're a husband, part of that group, ask him about the things from this book and how you guys together are going to implement these things in your home. There's so many resources out there, both to, to train you as a parent and resources for your kids to teach them the gospel. There's a book called Family Worship by Don Whitney. Really short book, but fantastic. It talks about how you can just spend time around the dinner table, opening the Bible, Teaching your kids diligently the ways of the Lord. Uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, a favorite of our home. Uh, really great book to read the Bible and teach children the Bible. Highly recommend that as well. 
Uh, another one that we just got, it's called the Child Story Bible. Um, really fantastic way to teach your kids the scriptures. Open it up, read it at dinner. Not that, that hard. It's a great time. There's so, so many great tools out there for you as parents to teach your kids diligently the ways of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. It's a famous text. We all knew it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Parents. Now, other than your commitment to Christ and to your spouse, there's no greater calling than bringing your kids to Jesus. But you're not alone in this. The church is here to come around you, to help you with this, to resource you, and to pray with you. Listen to the words of J.C. Ryle. Now, this is a long quote, but I think it's meaningful. I've got it up here on the screen for you. He says this. He says, it is the bounden duty of every Christian congregation, that's us, to make provision for the spiritual training of its children. The boys and girls of every family should be taught as soon as they can learn, should be brought to public worship as soon as they can behave with propriety, should be regarded with affectionate interest as the future congregation, which will fill our places when we are dead. We may confidently expect Christ's blessing on all attempts to do good to children. No church can be regarded as being in a healthy state which neglects its younger members and lazily excuses itself on the plea that young people will be young and that it is useless to try to do them good. Such a church shows plainly that it has not the mind of Christ. A congregation which consists of none but grown-up people whose children are idling at home or running wild in the streets or fields, is a most deplorable and unsatisfactory sight. The members of such a congregation may pride themselves on their numbers and on the soundness of their own views. They may content themselves with loud assertions that they cannot change their children's hearts and that God will convert them someday if he thinks fit. But they have yet to learn that Christ regards them as neglecting a solemn duty and that Christians who do not use every means to bring children to Christ are committing a great sin. Parents, bring your children to Jesus. Church, use every means to teach these children the gospel. If you serve in kids' ministry, first of all, thank you. Second, keep at it. What you do in there matters for eternity. It's important, meaningful. Thank you and keep at it. So what is God like? He's a God who loves and has time for little children. That's what God is like. Point two. What are children like? Look with me at verses 15 and 16. Jesus continues on. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. 
Warren Wearsby notes that we tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells the adults to model themselves after children. I love that. So, what are children like? What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? We better figure that out. Because Jesus says clearly that if we don't receive the kingdom like that, we won't enter it. I think it may be helpful to start with what Jesus does not mean here. He doesn't mean that children are somehow innocent. They're not. Again, if you have children or are around them for any length of time, they'll dispel that myth quickly not innocent. Jesus isn't saying that children are innocent or perfect or pure. He's also not saying that they receive the kingdom because of their trustworthiness or their childlike wonder, even though those are great things. He also is not saying that childlike faith is a faith that has naive ignorance to it. So what is he saying? Remember, children in those days were not seen as valuable. They had no standing. They contributed nothing. They were helpless and depended on others for everything. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Why? They are weak. He is strong. That's his point. That's the only way to enter the kingdom. As someone who's helpless. As someone who depends on him for everything. Weak, depending on him for strength. As someone who comes weak and leaning on Jesus for strength. As someone who doesn't come assuming that they're contributing anything to their salvation. We sing, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Do you see that? That's the kind of person that Jesus says enters the kingdom. Only empty hands can be filled. Further, Children had no rights. They had to be given everything as a gift. Do you notice the word that Jesus uses here in verse 15? Look at this. He says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The kingdom is not a right, it's also not earned. It's received. It's a gift. It's by grace through faith. Membership in the kingdom of God is about grace. And again, that's Jesus' point here. He has time for children. It's not about how important you are or how much you bring to the table. One more aspect. What are children like? Danny Aiken 
says that children don't know all that they need, but they know they need the help of another, and they are hopeful that they will receive it. Children, they come hope-filled and with expectation. That's what children are like. That's what Jesus is looking for. What are children like? They're helpless, empty-handed, dependent, and full of hope, ready to receive God's grace. What is God like? He's a God who makes time for little children. He's ready to fill our empty hands. He's a gracious God who loves us, as the Jesus Storybook Bible reminds us. He loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. So come to him. Specifically, come like a child. Turn from sin and trust him. Put your hope in him. Depend on him for everything. Know that he died on the cross to pay the just penalty for your sin. And when he did, guess what he said? It is finished. You have nothing to add to that and everything to gain. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.